0: and welcome to the point of everything today on the show interviews with dublin singer songwriter rosa nutty who's currently based in Cavan, and jack carrigan aka actual acid from cork and currently based in london they both have new albums out then at the end new music comes from dublin indie art rock band acrobat with a k and their latest single eskimo also with a k in that as well, which we'll hear in full But Rosa Nutty is first up, an artist who's been releasing music since around 2015, but took a four-year break, two of which, of course, were pandemic years, so they don't count. And she returns with her debut album, World Still Blue. She says its name was inspired by the phenomenon of seeing the Earth from space. During lockdown, I became fascinated by the written accounts of astronauts who experienced this firsthand, possibly because this was the most escapist form of vicarious travel that I could think of. The common thread that connected them all was this overwhelming sense that no matter how bad things seem, be it in your own life or on the planet as a whole, that if you pan out far enough, the world is still blue, calm and full of potential. Tony Clayton Lee, reviewing the album in the Irish Times, said, If the musical outlines are familiar, brushed, acoustic-based, with poised, complementary textures of cello, trumpet, synths and guitar of the latter, Ed Phelan's finely spun work is especially eloquent on Dancer. What impresses most is Nutty's apparent sense of self on sturdy songs such as Mouth's, the title track, Glow and Supermoon. There's bits of Alva to the songs too, both in sound and the theme of discovering oneself. And as I put to Rosa towards the end of the chat, Dolores O'Riordan sounds like a big influence as well, particularly in those vocals. So, hopefully, that gives you a sense of what to expect from World Still Blue. But let's take a listen to the first single from the album, Wildcard, and then you'll hear the chat with Rose and Nutty.
1: Yes, I'll
0: How are you feeling about the debut album it's been about 10 days since it came out
2: um yeah feeling pretty good feeling relieved is that a normal feeling to feel i don't know um i was working on it for so long i guess that the idea that it's just out sitting there for consumption is absolutely bizarre to me i think i really i made like a mountain out of it (laughs) so it's it's cool it's lovely surreal and i feel relieved yeah why
0: do you feel relieved
2: I don't know I was working on it so long and I gave it a lot of consideration for something that ultimately sounds quite minimalist there's um a couple of layers of uh of uh, silent thought there but um it just kind of sat with me for a long time I started it before the pandemic and then you kind of rework things and sit with them for longer when you're quarantined like everybody else and when you get to the other side of that I suppose and you get through it and it actually comes out. It just feels like it was, it was like a goal I was walking towards for a really long time, walking, not running, um, towards for a really long time. And now that it's out, it's like, oh, it actually happened. It's done, it's out, it's free.
0: Do you realize how long a race it's going to be like at the outset? Did you think that it would take as long as it did?
2: Not even slightly, no. Um, So I was gigging like a lot, um, kind of 20... 15 to 2017 into 2018 and then I took a break then to write this album and um, took just like because I was I was juggling a lot of things at the time and I just wanted to take some time I had kind of you know worked on the live aspect of what I was doing for a bit and I wanted to kind of sink back into myself and explore some new ideas and yeah, I don't know work on on my songwriting basically with the view to having an album at the end of it um But then, yeah, no, I really kind of retreated into that for a while, which was fine and nice. Like we moved, um, we moved from Dublin to Cavan to do that. Um, we we had somewhere we could stay in Cavan, so we moved to Cavan to do that. That wasn't intended to be a very long term thing either. But the process of that in the beginning, um, was actually lovely. Like I to actually just be like, I'm here to do this job. Um, was really really nice and to really kind of explore writing, um, kind of. In a kind of holistic way was really, really nice, but yeah, no, it's kind of it's 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 good to be on this side of it now, I would say, yeah, the whole two years of covid running to the mix, I'm sure everybody says the same thing um probably elongated it beyond its uh, reasonable finish,
0: <laughs> yeah, it's funny just seeing the fruits of of the of the pandemic lockdown labors, though you know a lot of them are kind of coming out now, whereas it, it seemed at the time that everybody was like, I can't do anything creatively, you know, stuck in that COVID musk. But everybody kinda got got through it and I don't know, it's nice to see that people have come out with, you know, art at the end of it. Like
2: Totally, totally. And I look I mean I mean, truth be told, I had a lot of my stuff done before that all kicked off and any I might have written one or two new songs in that in that environment, but it was a hugely unprolific time. At the same time, it was more just very introspective and kind of shoring up ideas. And I suppose in that period, I was kind of thinking what was tying all of the songs together. You know, I had done all of the like separate work um, on the tunes, but I was kind of deep thinking about what it was all about when uh, in reflection. And that's when I came up with the title and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? Um, That was the time where I was kind of, making it make sense to me because when you're writing tracks one after another you kind of I, I find anyway like with previous EPs and stuff you only kind of hear what you were on about when you hear it and kind of if you listen to it again three years later or something do you know um and I think this span of the writing process for me and that kind of four-year period meant that I could already think what it was about and feel in some way past it by the time I was presenting it for people to listen to which was good like it kind of feels like a very complete thing from my perspective obviously it has its own thing now which is great but um yeah
0: you mentioned kind of uh, working on your songwriting kind of taking some time away from playing live and working on your songwriting what what was it was it just a case of trying to write more tunes trying to write in a different way or something like that or was it just taking a break from playing live was was that the main thing as well
2: I think I wanted to dig in a little bit more I think when I started writing music my instinct when I'm writing music, and it's not, yeah, it is a pure instinct. You're not really thinking when you're doing it, but is to always kind of like get to the truth of what I'm thinking, like really mine myself for lyrics, essentially. Um, and sometimes that can be a little bit too, too on the nose or too direct or something. And I wanted to spend some time maybe trying not to be so introspective. I'm not sure I achieved it, but that was the idea of kind of writing more general tunes and ones that weren't so focused on me really I took the break because not because I wanted to kind of achieve something different in my songwriting I wanted to get to know myself better as you know an artist really it sounds kind of um, pretentious but I genuinely just kind of know where I'm coming from a little bit better and I think the first couple of songs and EPs they're just they're just play-doh at the beginning of making things you know what I mean you're just kind of getting to grips with you know how, how to use it and different things like that so i kind of wanted to get a little bit more robust in my in my interaction with it i guess
0: how long did it take for you to kind of figure that out in terms of like creating this album does it take a long time to actually figure out oh this is what i want to do now this is uh the type of music that i want to make
2: oh yeah no i think i pretty much very quickly into that uh into that um into that period realize that actually (laughs) you're always going to be working on your songwriting. There's literally, that's what it is. Every song is a, is a new, a new chapter in, in what you're doing. So I would say there's no kind of open and close end thing whatsoever. It's kind of like a lifetime practice, but I do feel in the album that I explored things in a new way for me, which was nice. But I mean, the songs are hugely, um, introspective as well so i don't think i kind of i change my subject matter too much it's interesting the idea
0: of trying to get away from writing about interest introspectively i guess maybe when it's a solo artist like yourself like a singer songwriter it's just like that's the most obvious thing to write about i mean are there any songs on the album that you know are kind of that thing that you wanted to achieve kind of getting away from that introspection
2: yeah, like um for me maybe Wildcard even though it sounds like it's about a singular person is definitely a song that's about kind of expressing yourself expressing yourself authentically if that's something you struggle with um with other people and kind of it's it's about it's generally about your kind of human interface with other people and how you navigate that. But it's funny, I don't know if there's that much in the lyrics to describe that. That's just the feeling of the music to me is like just kind of breaking out of yourself a little bit. Um, but then ultimately, I'm definitely writing that from a perspective of someone who maybe considers their interface with other people. So I don't know, I, I the topics like the album definitely has an eco undercurrent to it. I am someone who's like thinking a lot about the environment and always has and I'm finding this particular period in time just very kind of intense obviously as everybody else is but in that way the way i approach the songs i write like that kind of eco feeling in them that's general that's not about me that's very much all of us in one in one scenario so in that way um it's kind of broader but at the same time it's my experience of it that i'm representing and i don't think i'm ever going to get away from that really so that's okay too
0: yeah <laughs> um tell me about the move to Cavan from Dublin uh, are you enjoying living in Cavan are you enjoying living away from Dublin
2: We're really lucky like um we're we're in a house where you know we've got space it's really fab we're beside um, a lot of forestry which for me is really really nice I love that we've a little dog and that's really nice but I think I miss like I love, I love Dublin. I really love it. Um, I love cities generally, um, and I love visiting friends here in, you know, London or um, Berlin or any of those places. Um, and I suppose what I miss is the randomness. I think is when you live somewhere that's quite rural and you're only learning to drive, like me now yeah. after four years. <laughs> Just really a, a real good window into um, my really poor life planning, but uh, I. It missed the randomness, I suppose, of being able to just meet someone for a coffee or a pint or anything like that. And this may not be forever, um, but it was an absolutely amazing place to spend the years that we have spent here. Um, like not, not to make this about lockdowns or things like that, but I mean, there wasn't much else going on for me. <laughs> um, we spent a lot of time watching movies and cooking like everybody else, but it felt very there was no there was no bright yellow signage around my house telling me there was a pandemic on because we're we're in the middle of nowhere so unless i wanted to engage with that i just felt like i had loads of time off um so that was lovely like it felt very private and like a really special time and that was well within reason i think that january to march one was a bit um a bit touch and go <laughs> a little bit less romantic um but it was yeah no it's been good it's been good but i'd say for the age that I'm at and for the kind of experiences I want to have being in a city might be more appropriate but um I haven't figured that part out yet
0: yeah do you see it in terms of you know like even getting offered fewer support slots or something like that it's just kind of harder when you're not in Dublin
2: yeah you're no, you are not. there's no drop of your hat stuff do you know what I mean like if someone's like oh there's this is this like and it's happened to me because I, I work as well you know there's this is really nice support slot on and you're like I'm like well I'm this many hours away da, 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 all that kind of logistical frustration um that comes with that and you definitely want to be able as an artist like as a performing artist you want to be able to be quite nimble and responsive and be able to do things and yeah that has definitely been an obstacle for sure and it's 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 something I want to, to kind of address soon yeah I want to be able and I want to go to gigs you know what I mean it's not just about performing like The amount of live music that I had the pleasure of going to when I lived in Dublin all the time, you know, and that's that's where you meet fellow musicians. That's where you like spend time with them. And I, I suppose being here, I got really into my work and my what I'm doing. But that only ever takes place within the context of what's happening more broadly. Um, And if you're kind of not knocking shoulders with people who are doing the same thing as you're kind of like what what am I doing like what am I doing out here obviously when work gets released and you get some sort of feedback and you kind of interact you kind of understand what the process is but when you're just doing it in a vacuum it is a bit weird um and I'd love to catch up with 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 other artists as well and listen to more music so yeah that's definitely in the pipeline I would say
0: yeah, isn't that interesting, though, that like, you know, as much as an artist's life is online now with social media, you can do all of all of your Instagram live performances and stuff that people were doing over lockdown. But there is still that physical element involved as well that you kind of almost don't hear about that. You do have to actually like be in a city like people are still moving to London to try and make it in the music biz. People are still like getting slots in Dublin just because, you know, they're, they're the closest band to, to the gig.
2: Totally. And when I was there, and when I didn't appreciate, I suppose I didn't appreciate because I spent all of my kind of 20s in Dublin and I didn't appreciate maybe how immediate everything was and how I mean, again, with the not driving thing, I'm really not sure what I thought was going to happen, but I couldn't get myself from A to B. But just how how independent you are with yeah, with moving around. It's it's a very basic point, like I mean, living rurally versus living in a city. But um yeah I think having having uh that stimulation can only be good for you I think I genuinely think I wrote the album that I would write if I was in isolation like that's kind of what it sounds like I sound like I'm far away from everything in the album it moves slowly it sounds private um but I think I would love to to have a little bit more randomness now and maybe just like lift it all up a wee bit
0: Mm. Uh I I have a terrible memory but one of like the main things that I remember reading in a music magazine when I was a teenager was an interview with Lemmy from Motörhead. And he was just asked, you know, what's your one piece of advice that you give like young artists starting out today? And he said, just learn how to drive so that you can. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I honestly, I I don't know why I remember that, but maybe I was learning to drive at the time and I was like, okay, I'm taking Lemmy's advice just in case. So, yeah, I feel like, you know, maybe that's something that uh, all young musicians starting out need to know as well
2: that will be my piece of advice if I'm ever asked it. learn how to drive for the love of God yeah no it's uh it's important you have to get your gear around on a very basic level but you also just can run your own run your own uh, life <laughs>
0: are, are you in the lesson taking phase at the moment building up to doing the doing the test
2: well Owen I have my 12 lessons done um but on my 12th lesson I asked my driving instructor like you know how she thought I was getting on and um not great. Was was, the, awesome. <laughs> I was to Summarize it in two words. Um, I'm just. I'm a very jumpy person. I think if I had learned when I was seventeen, I'd be absolutely coasting it, literally. Um, but I, I'm, I'm learning. But I'm, I've got my the part of my brain that assesses risk has fully developed. Unfortunately, so I'm like a very tentative driver. But I'm, I'm practicing now.
0: Okay. Well, ho- hopefully you get there. Uh, s- soon, soon. <laughs> Um, I saw that Christy Leach from Le Boom is playing synth on the album. How do you know him?
2: Um, so Christy, Christy and I, Christy, probably the first musician friend I ever made. Um, oh, wow. We, yeah, he he was living. I think when I was releasing my EP back in 2015, Christy was over in New York. And he was playing lots of music there. It was a different project. It was a solo thing that he was doing, and he was over there having a great time. But planning his trip back, and I was releasing the EP, and he contacted me just to see um, if we wanted to play a show together. I was launching the album, and if he if he could basically come along and play on the night, which I was. I loved the songs. I thought they were great. We came along, and I met him there, and we kind of had we've had a funny relationship since because we don't get to see each other very often. But we keep up with each other like a lot, which is nice, but it's um, it's very rarely for pints. But when it is, it's great, too. But um he's brilliant. And seeing his trajectory and his attitude towards what he does is is great. It's really good for someone like me. I'm like a nervous overthinker and he's like a full steam ahead guy. So it's it's really nice to be around and to chat with him. And uh he gets a lot of he gets a lot of uh what should I do texts for me that he feels very nicely. So fair play to him. <laughs> That's
0: nice. Uh probably not the first act that I would that I would think of, like with you, not quite the same type of music, is it?
2: No, not at all. Not at all. But he's got very um he would have very varied um and eclectic musical taste. It, it, I honestly think he could he could go in any direction he wanted. He's he's super creative and very prolific person. Um and I've heard him play lots of different styles of music. But with the Laboom thing, the energy creation of what he's doing in live shows and stuff, I'd say of all of the of all of the options open to him, that's probably the one that gives you the most kind of, I don't know, adrenaline. It looks amazing. Um, I've seen them play. They're unbelievable. So, yeah, I'd say he's doing what's the funnest thing for him right now. But I'd say he could do whatever he wanted.
0: Yeah. Um, who else is on the album making music with you?
2: So, um, there's Donald Bowens, um, whos who I've also been playing with for a really long time. Um, he is a good friend now at this point, but he is the younger brother of a, a guy who used to be in a girl band, which <laughs> I can explain that in a minute, um, a guy I grew up with who I was really close with. Donald was his younger brother so when we were playing together um Donald would be around kind of learning drums in the background and he basically turned out to be this like drum prodigy he's unbelievable he's so so good so from that point on when I started playing solo uh Donald played with me and very much so like he's been around every step of the songwriting process for me from day one so like any of the kind of drum drum bass of what we do and the kind of rhythmic kind of carry of what we do is very much him. And I feel like that's the other half of the songwriting process for me. Like a song doesn't feel complete to me until I go and play it for Donal and he kind of, he comes in on it. Then I'm like, oh yeah, now, now I hear it. That Now I hear it. So he's very much like in it with me. And then uh, we've got Ed Phelan on guitar, who's an incredible guitarist, who's played with lots of different lots of different acts, but he's incredibly like versatile and talented and lovely and like a genuine pleasure to be around studio wise. They all are, which was amazing. And then we've got Cahill O'Reardon on bass, but Cahill plays loads of different instruments and um, is writing music. He's, he's younger, but he's, he's on an upward trajectory. He's doing so much stuff and he's got a really kind of interesting approach to music. And then Laura McCabe is on the cello on the, um, on the album. Um, and Laura's amazing. She's just she's into music management and stuff She'd be involved with acts like Jackie Beverly and things like that. But she's just moved over to Australia. Um, but she's great. And then um, Shane Clear, who plays trumpet and uh, I think a range of other instruments, um, with the likes of Vernon Jane and Spud Gun. I think is one of his bands. I was once at a festival and saw him in like nineteen seventies like um, glam pop. So he's, he does lots of different stuff. Um, this is probably a pretty straightforward album for Shane, <laughs> um, but he played trumpet and he's brilliant too. So yeah, was, I was—I honestly like when I look back on the whole album making process because essentially it was just me and Donal at the beginning, and then you're kind of approaching people and hoping that the vibe fits and that you know everything like comes together. Every single person who worked with us on it was a legend, and that is so nice for me. Like it—it it makes. The whole process feel very whole and positive if you know what i mean
0: okay so we know the people behind the album now so we'll just talk through some of the tracks on it anyway you mentioned wild card earlier it's the first single that you released from the album did that feel like the right kind of uh well calling card i suppose for the album for what it was going to sound like
2: um i'm not sure if it's the right calling card because i think it is very much like its own thing but I think I was very reticent after taking four years off to whack a good sad gal track yeah. on, on the world. <laughs> I was like, you can't take a four-year break and come back with another one of them. <laughs> um, so it was, um, if anything, I was cloaking I was cloaking the album with Wildcard. But uh, I know I wanted something upbeat, and uh, I love that that's my version of upbeat. Um, it's still very, very, very um, bad, but uh, I wanted something upbeat and positive, to kind of lead lead the album um and it's a song i'm really happy with it's funny like when you're when your friends and family listen to your album um they give you they give you good old feedback like you know they tell you what they like and what they don't like and wild card's never one that anybody's told me they particularly like but it's a song like you know a lot of songs get weight some people like this one and that one and that's so interesting to hear from your perspective because to you they're very different but wild card was never one anyone really was like that's that song now i love that but i like it so i'm kind of like that's why it's a single
0: (laughs) (laughs) very good uh the next song glow is pretty it starts out pretty delicate anyway kind of mostly you strumming a guitar is that how most of your songs start is that how you kind of do your songwriting?
2: yeah like i think my songs because i'm so um i'm really lyric focused that's for me that's what i'm presenting and it's, it's against music, if you know what I mean. Like, I love music and I love listening to it, but my interaction with music is very much words. And for me, the songs kind of start when I get a funny idea in my head or, like, I'd very often get lines in my head that would go around like a song in your head, but it's just the words. Um, so I kind of have a couple of ideas basically floating. And then if I'm in the mood, I will sit down and, like, play music and kind of find progressions and different things that feel like they have the emotional framework for what I might mean and what I'm thinking I don't know if that makes any sense something something that might evoke a particular feeling and then if I have the thought in my head to to come with it it'll come with it not consciously it will just be there and match it or it won't um but it's funny I never I don't I think I remember writing the song Dancer like but apart from that I couldn't tell you where or when or it's you don't I don't know I I can't speak for anybody else but I don't have conscious memories of writing songs even though I know I sat in and I wrote them but you're very much just like feeling out something and then you have it at the end and then you're like oh brilliant there you go there's there's a song I'm really happy with it that gives me like a feeling of excitement but I've no kind of solid memory of it so it's normally just a case of like feeling it out I guess but yeah no the the seeds for the songs are lyric ideas that are kind of in there and then flesh out into something more substantial
0: and when do the collaborators come into it is it when the song is already like you've ticked completed the lyrics you've completed the kind of the guitar on it and then you just ask the rest of the guys to kind of like add what they want to add to a song
2: to play in yeah well drums definitely because I wouldn't even know where to start but I might um I'd have the structure the song is is basically formed in my head and then with the kind of core so we re- recorded the album semi-live so the guitars uh the bass the drums they're all done with no click in a in a room so it's just us playing the tunes which is and then like I did some additional a good bit of additional vocal um vocal recording and then the trumpets and the cello and the synth came in. Depending on the instrument, I would have a very good idea of what I wanted for like the likes of cello or things that were going to give a lot of melodic kind of fluidity to the songs. I Not because I, I can play any of those instruments, but I'd be able to sing what I wanted to happen. With the likes of Ed and Cahill, they create that kind of full band sound by listening to the song with me and then we will determine what the right amount of playing from every instrument where it should come in, I suppose. But... All the time people say, um, the main thing that I hear, if anyone's talking about, or, you know, describing my music is that it's minimalistic. And to me, it's anything but, like, it's not that I find that offensive. It's totally fine. But I'm like, it's not minimalism. <laughs> I put so much thought into that. But it is very minimalistic, I suppose. It doesn't have massive, um, it doesn't take up massive space. But we all work together. To, they, they understand what I'm trying to do big time. And we work together to kind of make sure that everything's like, sitting nicely within the bounds of what it is if that makes sense
0: yeah great um on utah you sing nature is a perfect thing to believe in i think i have the lyrics right there uh and you mentioned earlier the kind of the eco ideas maybe underpinning the album is that one of the songs uh evoking that that theme
2: yeah, big time. Um kind yeah, in a way. So I was genuinely in Utah um at the beginning of March 2020. So um on the seventh, eighth, ninth, I think I think we left Ireland. I think we left Ireland at the very last day where people were going, I actually I'm not sure you could leave Ireland. That was just at that point. And we were like, I know we'll definitely go to Utah. We were yeah. gonna go and we went. Um, we just didn't realize we didn't we didn't know what was going on. I'd never been anywhere like that before in my life like they're these enormous spanning red rocks that look like a movie set but it goes on for so long that your brain understands that it's not a movie set you know it's it's so surreal and we were over there with no phone we were on a hiking holiday we love hiking and we were out all day with no phone signal whatsoever and then you'd come back in the evening and the the range of news that had happened was like extraordinary do you know what I mean so instead of like you know hearing the odd bit or whatever it would be like Ireland has shut down and you're like oh my god what um so the idea behind Utah was because it was it would have been a surreal moment if I was sitting in my own house but it was we were in this place that was so surreal the the opening lyric is uh we were in Utah watching the bulb flicker, and I, you know in in horror films where you, you know the monster's in the house because the light starts to go think think it kind of felt like that it was like we were just out running something we didn't really we couldn't really like get any kind of grasp on what it was yet, but something really big was happening, and we were like not we weren't where we were supposed to be, so yeah the nature is a perfect thing to believe in is more like say about three days into this holiday when we were still (laughs) wondering what the hell we were at whenever I was kind of like should we be worried about this like should we be doing something different because we weren't meeting any other people I'd calm my mind by going no 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 like just take this in whatever it is it's not impacting this moment and we'll we'll deal with it after so nature is a perfect thing to believe in is actually a coping mechanism to keep my head in Utah but in reality the the line stands for me anyway like I Yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't even know how to articulate it well enough, but I I can't fathom how everything is still kind of bouncing along with things the way they are and with the trajectory looking as desperate as it does, I can't make peace with that. And that makes me a snowflake by you know half of the world you know what I mean? I I and I can't, I actually can't put my I can empathize with nearly everything. I really can't. Like, I'd be terrible on a jury. I would. <laughs> I would think everyone was innocent. I'm. I'm rubbish at that. But when I see people deny the ground beneath their feet, I can I. I don't get it. Like, it's. It's. Yeah. It's a big one for me. I have to say.
0: Did you manage to make it back to Ireland from Utah? Okay, uh, in March 2020. Yeah, you got back just in time.
2: Um the seven-day trip got turned into a five-day trip, and I think all told, that was a pretty good outcome. <laughs> like, <laughs> It was good. But by the time we got back, we stopped in the supermarket on the way home just to get some bits. And like people were jumping back from each other. It was insane. It was like there was like a light had gone. A light switch had been turned on. It was nuts.
0: Did you do any hiking holidays in Ireland, like over the summer or anything like that? Any uh, recommendations?
2: Oh, recommendations. Um, we live quite near. Um, so I've been using an invisible we. I've realized in pretty much every answer. So yes, me and an invisible <laughs> we. Live near the one in Fermana with the stairway to heaven. Come on, what's it called? Quilca Mountain here. And it's an absolutely amazing. Um, it's an amazing walk. It's basically up a very sheer um mountainside with um quite a good, quite gradual incline to begin with. And then it breaks into this boardwalk that's just it's really like it's it's very it's you see it on Instagram all the time because it is it's very uh, aesthetically pleasing. But if you go very early in the morning, if you have the opportunity to go very early in the morning on a day that you know will work out nicely, it's a it's a good walk. But when you get up to the top, you have the view of a, a good few counties. I couldn't tell you, I think three maybe. And then from the other side, you can see a couple more. But if you do that very early in the morning and the sun comes up around that time, it's like spectacular. So that, that was what we did because we could. It was very close. But my parents would have taken me and my sister's on a lot of hikes as kids like it was something that we grew up doing so I could I could write a little list
0: yeah yeah it'd <laughs> <laughs> be great maybe if I do a travel podcast or something like that I'll get back yeah on <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah yeah um deciding to change is a song I picked out mostly because of the title itself it's uh it's one that I'm kind of like hmm, tell tell me more about this deciding to change
2: so deciding to change is essentially about when you, um, and I don't know if this is a generally uh, generally experienced feeling, but when you realise you're being a certain way, because we're all, we're all so stamped by our own kind of, we're all stamped by our own kind of personality traits and things like that, and I suppose deciding to change is about when you clock that you're being a certain way that's quite unique to you. Hard to explain, but there's a moment if you're being a way you don't want to be anymore where you have to reorientate yourself and decide to change and actually actively reset your course and that's what that's about so it's about kind of giving yourself a little jolt
0: great supermoon and world still blue are grouped together on the album and i know the album title is kind of space related so is this kind of the the spacey uh centerpiece of the album
2: yeah, it is. So these Utah and Supermoon and World Still Bloom and actually maybe more. I, I, earlier on, I said that I only wrote a couple after lockdown, but that's actually not true now that I'm thinking about it, um, because they, they were all songs that were written in that context. Yeah, so I got the idea of the album because um, a lot of the songs that are very personal are essentially about, um, you know, personal anxieties or... Um, <laughs> existential dread so uh, that's that's kind of you know chaos on a personal level but I also feel like we're going through a time of chaos on a very planetary level so the idea I used to read a lot of during locked in um in the evening you know you hadn't like expended yourself in any way so you couldn't sleep you had to like read <laughs> um and I read a lot of accounts of astronauts who had had been to space um because I was finding all of the stimulation of of COVID and the climate and just different stuff, very overstimulating. And I found the accounts that they gave of having that like big black panoramic view of just a little circle being an ultimately very stilling and enlightening and humbling perspective. And I was like, reminding myself that with with a big enough span a big enough pan out that that is the reality of the world like our reality is through you know little human eyes I always see us like little ants running around so we can only see it in certain ways but if you look far enough back everything's actually just one thing and it's actually a very simple thing and it's just complicated by all of the tiny consciousnesses that are uh, running around on it so that's where the idea for the album came from but the the song um Supermoon was I think in April 2020 <laughs> there was a a super pink blood moon um I it's called a, a blood moon I think it was called Um, and it was this enormous moon and you could see it so well from where we were here it happened on a really really clear night and I remember looking out of it and that would be the thing that would be a thing that like a couple of years ago would blow my mind like I'd be looking forward to that for days like I thought it was amazing and I remember during the day there had been loads of people saying there's going to be a blood moon over Ireland tonight Um, everybody check it out and it was a day where there was also some very not nice climate news. I can't remember what it was. It was just some, I don't know, maybe it wasn't even that big a deal. But to me, I was like, oh, God, awful. And I remember looking out at the moon and just being like. It's so arrogant of us to appreciate how beautiful that is and still not have our shit together on the ground, you know? Um. So. I I was thinking in that way. So the lyric is um, Pink Supermoon bit like a big balloon like it's trying to go like meh do you know what I mean like I couldn't connect with it in the way I was before so that's yeah that's where that came from
0: great it's uh n- nice to have some some space themes on it uh d- you don't see it much in in music I don't think yeah you know. we definitely <laughs>
2: need more space
0: <laughs> um I guess Dolores o'reardon would be kind of one of the big influences that I hear in your voice in particular I wonder is she a big influence uh on you musically
2: yeah, like I mean, Dolores O'Riordan's voice to me, um, I find that that's a huge compliment. Um, I I was thinking a lot recently, not only about um Dolores O'Riordan but Sinead O'Connor as well, and I was kind of wondering, not wondering, but I was like kind of trying to figure out what about them I admire so much, and both of those Irish women, I suppose, have this unbridled, untamed voice from their soul kind of immediacy there's no kind of softening the edges of it and um, there's like such a degree of beauty in it but it's they they both sing with such power they're not the same they're so different but they're singing from a place of true authenticity and I think sometimes I think any musician male or female Irish or otherwise that's what I really appreciate in someone singing voices is it really sounds like they're just opening their mouth and singing and it's not a particular style or it's not softened or I don't know not overly controlled I guess and both of those women just strike me as people who were just in you know they both started playing music and this is what was coming out and it was amazing and it wasn't over analyzed it was just pushed forward with a lot of kind of Authenticity. Um, like anyone who knows me well, I have made sit down and watch the, you know, the um, I don't know if you've seen it, if we ever made up on Mickey Roger, um, but it's uh Sinead O'Connor playing or singing Mandinka, Mandinka on the Grammy stage. Have you ever seen that?
0: I watched. I watched the documentary that came out a couple of weeks ago. I feel like that might have been in it, but I'm not sure. I can't remember. I
2: haven't seen that yet. But essentially, um, it's Billy Crystal announcing Sinead O'Connor, a 21 year old Sinead O'Connor, onto the stage, and she doesn't have a band behind her. It's just her and a singular microphone and a tank top, I think, and like high waisted um, trousers and a pair of boots, and she just sings Mandinka, and you know that's the song that essentially she's screaming in at one point not screaming but as close to screaming as you can be with such a beautiful voice and there's something about that performance and maybe it's the song itself but just watching her sing as a 21 year old woman who I believe just had a baby at that time on a stage on basically the biggest stage you could ever be on gutturally letting that noise out of her mouth and looking so comfortable with it I just think is so inspiring and to go back, I just brought Sinead O'Connor into it, but Dolores O'Riordan strikes me as the exact same kind of powerful, honest woman. So yeah, I would be, I'm, I'm like electrified by, by um, how much I just respect that. I think it's amazing. It's fearless.
0: Well, one thing that that Sinead O'Connor documentary, Nothing Compares gets across is just how big Sinead was in like, 1990 through a couple of years you know in the US you know the album went to number one and she was so big and it's interesting because I would have only come to her like in the past like say decade maybe um and and you kind of know her through all of the the tabloid stuff and just know her through the press and so it's kind of hard to actually imagine what it was like at that time so that's what the film does really really uh well just getting across just man Sinead O'Connor was one of the biggest acts in the world for a while
2: oh and her voice Mm. yeah i could i could go for miles here but her voice i really really want to see that documentary i was very excited about it coming out i just haven't had a chance to see it yet but um yeah she's she's a powerhouse um and dolores are in the same just like a time in in irish music where these women were just killing it like properly killing it fearlessly is just yeah it's amazing but I mean, yeah. there's loads of Irish women doing that now too, so
0: it's great. Yeah, true, true. You close the album with "Dancer." You're saying my friends are subtly moving away. It's fairly on the nose, I think, what you're talking about there—emigration. has hasn't gone away, hasn't stopped. Hasn't.
2: has not <laughs> gone away. You know? Um, no, it hasn't. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's kind of second wave. I'm I'm um, I'm just gone 30 now, so. I would have had friends who there was kind of a there was definitely a time um in my early 20s where people were just moving away because it was a, a good crack thing to do um but i'm now very much like anyone in our kind of age bracket in seeing a lot of people not have options anymore um which is not good and while i did definitely my friends are suddenly moving away i did intend that lyric to kind of mean that because our friends we had people in australia all sorts like going everywhere um but I think also the transition from your 20s to your 30s you change a lot I don't know people change at different times but I feel like I changed a lot and I meant the lyric to take in the fact that your friends some friends do subtly move away but emotionally as well you know what I mean your lives your lives might diverge too um so i you know everybody has friends who left the country for sure that you like pine after but there's also periods of your life where your friends who move away because you go in one direction and they go another so i i very much meant it like both ways so yeah so age and travel uh, in that line
0: very good uh so i mean the album is out now what what are you working on next are you working on more new music what plans do you have
2: yeah, very much so. I kept writing after the album was finished. So I'm I'm putting together, hopefully, if not a new album, a new something and kind of hoping that in the next couple of months, I'll be able to work with the guys more because there's the difference between being on, you know, in a group um, playing music and just writing music yourself is such a difference. And it's been such a nice, warm experience to prepare for the album, prepare for shows with them that I want to spend more time doing that because I feel like that that feeling of playing together is actually going to inform the writing anyway. So I'd, I'd like to be a lot more hands-on um, band-wise for the next couple of months. But yeah, definitely a good few songs to kind of flesh out and see where they go. And yeah, we're going to play some shows. We're actually going to, we haven't announced it yet, but potentially by the time, if not straight after, by the time this uh, podcast comes out, um, we will. So we're going to be playing a show um, with Swimmers Jackson On the 21st of December, Workman's Cellar, which I've never been in before, Um, but it's supposed to be very nice. So yeah, we're kind of working towards, yeah, putting a lot of good energy into a nice show for Christmas and just, yeah, enjoy the next couple of months.
0: Great, great. Uh, Well, congrats on the album and thanks for taking the time to chat on a bank holiday Monday. Halloween. Yeah, on Halloween. Yeah, yeah. Um, And we're both
2: in fancy dress.
0: I know, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They'll never know. They'll never know. and uh and our internets both respectively held up so i know that's good.
2: i'm so proud of, of our internet right now i'm very very happy
0: <laughs> it'll just collapse now after after we yeah, hang No, it's off.
2: not going to work for a week oh and i just used it all
0: <laughs> uh well listen thanks again and uh best luck with the driving lessons
2: thank you so much thank you <laughs> cool i was thinking that hey
1: Tomorrow's got nothing on today I was searching with seal Trying to find something good to feel Those antennas don't hear at
0: something good to feel off Rosa Nutty's debut album, *World Still Blue. You can get it at rosanutty.bandcamp.com. Hopefully, there won't be another four-year gap until the next release from her. So last week on the show, we had metal and trad interviewees, and the gap this week is similarly diverse, from relatively quiet singer-songwriter Rosa Nutty to loud video games, sample heavy rap music, I think, from cork artist Actual Acid, a.k.a. Jack Cargan. His debut album Boredoms 400 came out last week, and while I had a pre-release stream for the interview and was listening to it loads, I still am finding my way through it because it's an experience and one that'll probably leave you breathless, wondering what's just happened during its 28-minute runtime. Here's the press release, just to give you a sense of what to expect. Four years in the making, Actual Acid's debut album Boredoms 400 fuses his earlier psychedelic and electronic output with new fascinations in Deep South and Memphis-inspired hip-hop, explored with a distinct Irish accent. On Halftime, the pre-album single, the album's featured rapper Stuntmane boasts the fourth best flows in Ireland and shouts out vaporwave classic Fireside Virtual over claustrophobic, frenetic production, sampling everything from sirens to a Quentin Tarantino interview. Boredoms 400 is released on Houseu Records, a collective of independent artists established in Cork in 2018. I've talked to Ghost King Is Dead, who now goes under his real name, Matthew Xavier Corrigan, and their other acts include Arthur Valentine, Automatic Blue, Drew Hall, and Neil O'Sullivan Green. So we talk about. How Sue, me and Jack, we talk about how Boredom's 400 came about and there's more of me parsing the press release in there too, basically a fact check of that press release and don't worry, we get to the bottom of what actual acid is all about. Jack is supporting last week's Metal interviewees, Got Alone, at Cypress Avenue in Cork on Thursday, November 10th alongside 10 past 7. It's going to be a great show. Let's listen to halftime and hopefully it'll give you a sense of what to expect from Boredom's 400 by Actual Acid.
3: really got me st- I'm willing to and too yeah.
0: There is a lot to take in with this album. It's your debut album, Boredom's four hundred. What was the idea behind it? Was there an idea behind it, a grand idea?
3: I think there was too many ideas and they all got muddled up and no one idea came through as the forerunner so I just kept going with all the ideas and mash it all together and hope for the best um like my previous the previous project I worked on was like a, a lo-fi psychedelic kind of EP that was called Bordens 500 so I knew I wanted to count down so that I could someday stop doing music so I had a I had a good out a good exit so I decided like early on that I wanted to try and um, do my own version basically of like different genres and different styles and use it as like a learning experience and that like by the end of the the five boredom's projects I might figure out what type of music I wanted to make properly so this was my rap outing <laughs>
0: And have you started working on Boredom's 300?
3: I kind of, like, I have bits and pieces for, like, all of them, I think. Um, just because, like, when I started making music, I just tried to make, like, I have, like, a crowd rock song, and then I did, like, a, f- uh, like a funk song. I did, like, a disc, like, I was doing disco songs, and I had to really, like, focus on one kind of thing to just to teach myself how to actually make music because <laughs> I didn't really know starting off
0: well tell me about starting off when when did you start making music
3: well I was in a few bands when I was younger uh just doing like keyboards and kind of guitar which I'm terrible at kind of random stuff like that um but it was when I joined house U, when I set up house U with my my cousins and That all kind of started taking off uh, is when I decided to try and do my own stuff, and it's when I like I like got a torrent. I don't know if you have to you have to bleep out that when I pirated Ableton and started fooling around in that, like realizing how much you can do in there. I was just like, yeah, I just got to do music every day.
0: And so, like, do genres actually matter to you? Do you find that? Easy to kind of flip between them, be like, okay, today is a rap song, tomorrow is a psychedelic song, stuff like that?
3: Um it depends on who I'm trying to like rip off on the day. <laughs> <laughs> I think it depends on who I'm listening to at that time. Because I'm very, I'm very um not like phasey, but I'll be like listening to one artist at, for a very intense period, and I'll be like, Wait, like why would anyone want to make like other types of music this is so good like when i moved over to london i'd walk around listening to dean blunt and i was like like i gotta make loads of dean blunt tunes but you have to kind of stop yourself doing that too because i mean then you just be derivative so you have to kind of think in genres but like try and keep one foot in like keeping it fresh for yourself so you don't get bored i think Mm.
0: how how do you stop yourself kind of just kind of ripping off An artist as well when you're kind of making something (laughs) specific like that are you you just like do you know yourself that oh this sounds too much like Dean Blunt I gotta pull back
3: yeah well you gotta like you gotta take it apart and like take like a Dean Blunt guitar sound and then mash it in with drums from somewhere else or you have to you have to kind of pick it all apart and, and rearrange it and reshuffle it like shuffle it in with with something else and see what happens sometimes it's terrible i've made so much terrible music using this uh, this practice sometimes it just doesn't work <laughs> and how do you feel
0: about the album you're happy with it
3: yeah i'm very happy with it it's yeah it's uh it's turned into a the bane of my life for a long time just because I was working on it, working on it, like over laboring every decision because I wanted to like stand behind it eventually. But now that it's done, I'm not enemies with it anymore. And we're, we see, I die, yeah, we're, we're cool. Oh yeah, I'm proud of it. I'm happy with it. Yeah.
0: Great, great. How di- how did you find like was it an EP that you made before that jazz psychedelic EP that you were that yeah, you mentioned? Yeah. How did it compare making a full length like I don't know, was it 40 minutes or something around that D- is it a difficult different process to making a shorter piece?
3: Um well this to be fair this album it's only 29 minutes. So oh, was it I'm, only 29? <laughs> yeah i'm a bit of I'm still a bit of a cop like I'm still in e p territory some people might say but it's the biggest the biggest thing i think was that early on I decided i want to do like i wanted to do a, a visual element to to go alongside it so I have like a music video done for every song on it so I was kind of trying to finish both of these big Projects at the same time, but they kept overlapping and like interfering with one another. I'd, I'd like film a bit for a music video and go back to the mix the song, and I'd be like, oh, but that bit in the video is going to look like this. So maybe this bar here should end more abruptly, or they should be. They kept, it kept like overlapping and and it all got very messy. So I don't think of this as like an album because it's not like a 40 minute kind of set of songs that is like, you just put on headphones, listen to it. It's very, uh, it's very messy in that I kind of took on way too much. I let, I do, I bit off more than I could chew. And then I got all, it got all over my t-shirt and stained all my clothes.
0: So, well, that's really interesting. So you kind of made the beats match up with the visuals.
3: Kind of. It, 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 it it was never intentional but i'd always i'd return to the video or i'd return to the the mix of the song or i'd return to like the edit of one of the other videos and i'd always have the other thing in mind so i'd I'd kind of be like oh i could take this opportunity to do this here and like i could kind of match this here and match that so it kind of kept um i kept slowing uh, slowing myself down basically by trying to squeeze every it's like what I said about all the ideas like trying to like not not picking one and sticking to it I just kind of let them all go at each other and it was very messy which I'm never going to do again the next one's going to be an album album with one image for cover art no (laughs) nothing else with it just music
0: It it was just taking up like too much of your time was it
3: it was taking up too much of my brain yeah and now like it's out, I'm just, like, I don't know what my brain is is for anymore. It's too much, too much uh, f- f- empty space, which is probably, it's good. It's nice, actually. And
0: do you kind of care about what what you actually call it, like an album, an EP, a, a, just a visual album? Like, does that actually matter anymore? That seems to be like one of the running themes I have, like talking to people in 2022. Like, I'm always like, is it an album? Is it something else?
1: Hmm.
3: Um, I... I want to. I keep calling it an album because i f- I like, I like the idea of having done an album. But now that I'm finished everything, I'm looking back. I'm like, you can't. You know, you sit down and listen to it. It's like, it's over in half an hour. It doesn't feel like an album now that I've made it. So I, I yeah, but it's it's, it's strange. Like there really is the the definitions are kind of falling away, more and more in the streaming era.
0: I always remember getting a hives album back in like 2003 four or something and it's 28 minutes long and you know when you're when you buy a cd you know you're spending like 20 quid on it or something you know you feel short-changed yeah. whereas now when you can listen to whatever you want and you and you want to listen to like so much all the time i'm like and god it's only 30 minutes now you know i, know. So I can i can get through I more it. i can get through more of it don't give me a double album don't give me a 70 minute yeah. album
3: <laughs> the short is like better the, like my, I think what I think the best album of all time is Raw Power by The Stooges and that's if I'm not mistaken I think it's at 29 minutes yeah or maybe it's but it's like yeah there's, there's something to be said for brevity and then there's like Migos putting out like a, a three hour long album that you're like this is just for streaming this is just to like juice the numbers like
0: yeah the same with Drake, Drake is releasing like how many like 23 track albums all the time can't keep up yeah i don't know how people actually do keep up with that
3: it's i think it just happens when you don't really care about what you're putting out like (laughs) no shot shots fired at drake (laughs) everything
0: podcast (laughs) um tell me about stunt main is that how i pronounce it a rapper who leaves no trace in the digital world uh i'm reading from the press release but who uh you swear is your cousin from sligo i just i just don't know how much of this press release i i take verbatim and for granted but uh who, who's the rapper on on the track that's it's my
3: it's my cousin from sligo oh, okay <laughs> it's, <laughs> but it's the i think it, it is uh, he's a it's a real person it's a real person rapping. But I think he we wanted to come up with a character for it because uh I think like when I sent in the beats and stuff and we started writing the the songs together, he was like, There's no way I can be saying these things. Like the right, the what he was writing for the songs was like not him. It was a very much obviously out the gate, like a, a character. So we wanted to invent like a kind of persona that matched it and it was only it was only when i watched halloween the original halloween recently i was like i messaged him i was like oh this is like he's a horror villain he's like a michael myers kind of specter you know so we went with that and came up with like a kind of a a silly name for him and gave him a silly mask to wear and now he's all in all the videos acting silly
0: uh, and and so is do you see it as a collaboration album? Is it a solo album? Are there other people on the album as well?
3: I see it as a solo album because, well, I, I like to say it's like music by me and then raps by him. I think that's how Freddie Gibbs and Madlib, like, um, I remember seeing things. It was like music by Madlib, raps by Freddie Gibbs. And I thought that was a good way of, like, phrasing it. Uh, there's other people on the album as well. Um, Drew who's in Houseu records with me he makes music as Automatic Blue. He's done some guitars on it that are like my favorite thing on there. Uh Arthur Valentine who's also on Houseu he's on there doing vocals and my other cousin it's all cousins in in Houseu is on there singing as well Matthew.
0: Okay. Uh so tell me tell me about Houseu when did when did it start up? I i don't think I've talked, I've talked to, I think I talked to Ghost King before. I think he's the mm. only house person that I've talked to. So it's about time I learned the backstory to house you, tell yeah.
3: me. <laughs> I do not th- yeah, th- I don't know. There's, there's not much of a backstory. We all just were making music separately. And then Drew suggested, he was like, do you want to, we should like do this as together. And then Matthew on Christmas was like, we should do this together. And then we all just decided we'd like come up with this, a name and just help each other out like we're all kind of we were all like listening to each other's songs and like checking each other's mixes and like you know, like doing features and stuff so we just said we'd bundle it it's just a big bundle a bundle of cousins
0: that's nice though making music with that with all your cousins kind of a family affair type thing it is yeah it's
3: like the wu-tang clan of course. <laughs>
0: Like, is it is it still Cork based? Like, you're living in London, or the other guy's still in Cork?
3: Luke and Colum are in Dublin, and the others are in Cork. Yeah, I'm the only one in London.
0: Very good. Yeah. And and so, like, what other stuff are you putting out? You're putting out your album tomorrow as we're talking.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, geez, what else have we got? I'm putting you on the spot. My apologies. <laughs> We put out, there was a few, there was a, a string of Arthur Valentine singles from this year. Um, and we have another one or two, or maybe, I think he's got an EP as well. that He's been cooking up on the side for next year.
0: Do you make music with Arthur Valentine as well? Like, do you make, it sounds like all of you, how you guys are kind of like inter, intertwined and like you're all kind of collaborators with each other. So
3: yeah, yeah. I would produce me and. Automatic Blue, Drew, would produce the the bulk of the Arthur stuff with Luke, Arthur himself. Uh, Yeah, which has been – we had a big recording session in, like, early July, a few recording sessions in early January. Um, See, my timings are all messed up in early January because I was moving, so we were like, all right, let's get, like, loads of tunes done in January. So those were the ones we've been putting out over the year. But now I'm like way too far away from recording with the lads and we have nothing in the tank. And we're like, I'm like, oh, I need to get back and just like have a nice creative session with them.
0: So do you still find that like the physical presence uh, with the other musicians still makes a difference? Like you're in London, you got your computer. That's that's kind of not enough.
1: Mm. Um,
3: In a way, I think as well, because I lived with, Luke and Drew over the pandemic we all lived together and that's when we got so much done like we were just every day recording with each other and and writing and so I think it, it was a bit of a it's been a bit of a like culture shock not to be regularly meeting up and working on stuff but we've managed we've managed you can do a thing where like uh I think it's over Google meets or something where you can control each other's screen so, like, I'd have Ableton open and Drew would be like, oh, try this drum thing. And I wouldn't know what he means. And he'd, like, take over my mouse and, and start messing in my Ableton. So there's there's ways of getting around it. But, yeah, you need to, like, be, be in the room together, playing some Smash Brothers and then, like, work and get up the guitars and back and forth.
0: And so have you found that, like, your creative process has changed over in, uh, since you moved over to London?
3: The, yeah I think so but also I haven't been working on much music recently I've been doing like the editing for the the f- film in inverted commas uh, the music video for the album which has taken you know it's it's very uh labor intensive so I have not been working on music I've been kind of wanting to get all of this in the rearview mirror and you know I can't wait to like package everything up into a folder and on my laptop and just put it in like completed and seal it off and then see what happens next.
0: Great, great. Um, one more before we kind of dive into the album. One more line from the press release that we have to fact check. Really, I think uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll just read you out. It's about a paragraph long. So Jack Carrigan showed up to. This is column from Houseu writing the press release. Jack Cargan yeah. showed up to a gaff with three other Houseu heads. Played them the album on the day he finished mixing it for maybe the tenth time. It was emotional and exhausting. We hugged him and raved incandescent about the record. He stepped out the door and vanished, and went to bed by ten thirty p.m. Behind him, he left his phone, wallet, passport, sunglasses, hard drive, and an unopened can of sour apple. uh for loco. We found him in the morning, unshaken and well rested. So, did this actually happen?
3: It, it, one hundred percent. It's all true. <laughs> <laughs> I, when I get drunk, I just like go off on. If I'm like drunk enough and I need to go to bed, I'll just stand up and drop everything and go to bed just exit just exit yeah (laughs) but they know (laughs) they know that (laughs) it sounds like
0: like a dangerous recipe
3: yeah luckily like we were in Drew's he just lives up the road from me at the time that's back in Mount where we're from so I did get home safe but yeah had to be done
0: <laughs> Live to tell the tale anyway, okay, I just had <laughs> those were just two of the uh two of the lines from the press release that uh, that stand out to me um let's get into boredom's four hundred. I was thinking because it's so kind of dense there's so many um uh sounds and uh different types of samples coming at you. I wanted you to kind of maybe talk us through some of the some of the songs anyway um so the opening yeah. track Lord knows kind of sounds like Run the Jewels. Uh, to me, I don't know, were they a big influence?
3: De- definitely that energy, that kind of, that was the last song I made for the album. Um, and it was when I was, a lot of the songs were done and I was finishing off someone like, um, I'll call them demos, I suppose, because I'm just, they never made it. Um, but I was listening to the album and like trying to figure out the sequencing and there was no like track one, there was no like track one jumping out at me to as like a really solid, like get up out of your seat opener. So I, I, it was when I got COVID I was cooped up in my room and then I was like, yeah, I'll just, I'll just make a, a design, like a track one from scratch. Mm-hmm. So that one was made with like the rest of the album in mind kind of. So yeah, the, yeah. The Round of jewels was a good comparison actually. That kind of, that like uh how would you describe it? I keep saying energy, but you know that like violence. I'm <laughs> sure.
0: Ultra- have, have you seen them live or anything?
3: I've seen the. I've seen a bit of them at Electric Picnic a few years ago. Yeah, fantastic festival yeah. act as well.
0: Yeah, like you say, just the energy of Run the Jewels is like I don't know if it, it feels like uh important.
3: Yeah, yeah, gets it going.
0: Any other influences you want to mention? Lord
3: knows. Like, a big influence was Kanye West. But now I'm like, I don't want to bring him up in an interview. About, <laughs> I don't want to bring him up at all. But, I mean, the way the way I approach that, like, sample, I wanted to kind of let it, uh, like, let it play out and then kind of, you know, it has that long section where I just let the bars, like, play out. And then it goes into, like, sampler mode. And you can hear that it's, like, being played on a sampler and like being like really like hit out which i think he does uh, in his like later stuff i'm not a fan of his later stuff. i'm not a fan of his most recent stuff but i'm not a fan of his later I'm, i'm a fan of the parts of his later albums where he kind of uses samples really like like stupidly like he doesn't try to be clever with the samples at all he's just like here's the sample here's the drums and kind of let it happen so i think that's what, what do you mean stupidly just really like he used to be so good at taking like like a michael jack like eight bars of michael jackson song and he's he could so intricately like like take out what he wanted and like splice it and like make something so new but the most recent stuff i think it's because he's just gotten lazy it's like it just be like two bars of a sample two bars of the, another part of the sample with drums on it Do you know kind of a a more unrefined approach mm. than what you'd come to expect from him
0: I kind of find that so, with, good, yeah, so good I kind of find that with some pop music I feel like interpolation is one of like the terms of the year when it comes to music you know like old songs kind of repackaged into new ones I mm. know Nicki Minaj has a big one at the moment I can't think of the sample that she uses on it but like a big song from the 90s Beyonce has done it as well across mm. her album like they they're good in a way but then they're kind of forgettable because it's it's almost like it's an old song that they're just yeah you know, taking it do, it like you say you know it do, it doesn't feel particularly refined it just feels yeah, right yeah, there yeah. there it feels like a cover almost
3: it's that um that Dua lipa Elton John one the Rocket oh, man. man one.
0: Oh my oh. God, it's so bad. It's so That's bad. That's fired at Dua Lipa, sorry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, so
0: <laughs> I, I saw her live at um at the 3 Arena earlier this year. And so what she did for that was that uh, Elton John comes up on the screen behind her. Uh, mm-hmm. And so she kind of like sings with him on the screen, I think. But it's just brutal. It's awful. It's just,
3: it's just very, um, it's just like Joe's you know, memes. It's like, remember the 90s? It's just like so, it's like you can't come up with a great song. So you like just point at a great song and it's like you say, oh, this is, this is our new song. I don't know. Yeah. Huleep is great though.
0: Did you find that you kind of had that problem maybe at the start with samples that you were like, oh, this is too obvious. I need to like, uh, you know, refine it for lack of a better word.
3: Um. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes when I use a sample, I'd be it would also be conscious of like getting sued. Not that any not that anyone's gonna not that anyone's listening to my music. Never mind a team of lawyers like the Marvin Gay estate are gonna hunt me down. But I'd put in a sample and and you'd it wouldn't be um it would be like more so that you want to cover it. So you'd like warp it and like chop it up and then like mash it with something else to the point of where it's like unrecognizable kind of
0: yeah because when you upload to soundcloud 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 in particular is quite good at like realizing there's a sa- there's like licensed music on a track isn't it
3: yeah yeah you really have to to beat the shit out of the sample in order <laughs> to disguise it enough
0: um let's move on to uh movie probably kind of the slowest kind of most downbeat kind of song on the album i feel is, is that what you're aiming mm-hmm. for with it? kind of a, a cam before the storm
3: yeah kind of yeah i wanted to do something um those chords i had it was that was originally like a like a and b disco song which i knew was terrible um but i liked the chords for it So I like slowed it down, like you said, like I slowed down that disco song. I remember making a vaporwave version of the disco song. And then I was like, oh, I like that, that tempo, those chords. But then I kind of wanted to do like, a like I had this, this is another thing where the music video like uh, kind of influences the the music. I had this idea for a video where I'm uh, hung upside down by my ankle and someone's cutting my hair. And I wanted to be look like a like a Sergio Leone kind of like wide shot. So I wanted a a part on the album that had like a really wide screen kind of feel to it. So that's like I knew those I like those chords, and I knew like then slowed down would be kind of like quote unquote epic. I hate that word so much. Like, but you know, uh, so yeah, that's where that one came from. And then I called it movie because I. I wanted to feel like a movie, you know. That's when my imagination ran out, and I was like, "Oh, I'll call it movie, flip it."
0: Uh, again, like just thinking about the the visual aspect. So, like, do you think movies are as big an influence as
3: like other music uh, on the album? I think so. This one, this album, and yeah, definitely. This album, like, was was de- like my original like when I was younger I just watched movies before I even had an interest in music I was just like the biggest film nerd such a loser of a child just staying in watching things instead of I don't know practicing my scales or anything so that's why I'm kind of I can't I I can't really do like good guitar bits or anything but I'll be like I'll get through to come in and we'd like watch some clips on YouTube and I'd be like try and get it to sound like how this looks and will Drew is a big film nerd as well. So like we'll we'll have that like shared language, I suppose, that we can we can transfer it onto music. But yeah, I think that's I think that's important. Like when you listen to a good song, you like you you can you can it, it you should be able to see it kind of as well or see something. It should get your senses up that you can kind of see things for it. If that
0: makes sense. Halftime is the, I think it's the first single from the album. And like I was watching the video again earlier uh, today. It uh, looks like he had fun making that video. I'm presuming he had fun making all of the uh, videos by the sounds of it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Very fun. Until I, until I sat down to try and edit it and realized that I would pieced together a million little things. <laughs> but that was fun too. That was fun too. Uh, yeah. That was gas. There we went down to Caroline Skate Park to film it, and there was two kids there who like helped us. Uh, they like they lent me their skateboard, which I was very surprised by because they could see that I was just taking hoppers and we were just falling everywhere. But yeah, they were like uh, the skateboarding instructors.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you take a couple of heavy falls, as you say. Like, were you bruised afterwards?
3: I was. Well, like, see. The thing with the stuntman character is that it's it's my cousin like rapping on it, but because he's up in Sligo, he wasn't able to like film all the time. So uh, loads of different people are playing the character in different uh, shots of the film in different bits just because we filmed it so sporadically over such a long time, you know. Uh, so his role that day was played by me. And yeah, I took some hoppers. They thought I was doing the TikTok as well. They were the the two kids came up to us and were like, Are you filming this for TikTok? I was like, No, do you know what a music video is? And they were like, Yeah, it's like a TikTok. <laughs> yeah, I was bruised. Oh man. Well,
0: fair play. Um Crush is the next song uh, I've done it's pretty heavy. I don't know what the what the influences were behind this this song.
3: That was that was the first one I made actually for the album. Um That's where I kind of was persuaded into doing like a full hip hop uh, project. Not even that it's a really hip hop song. I don't know what it is. It's kind of just like a, it's a drum and bass heavy mix. So I think that's where I was like, went towards hip hop then. But yeah, I I was living in my friend's house in Grange when I started that. I remember telling this um, recently that I like, because where I was, I was just in the spare room and there was no, um, there was no table or chairs or desk or anything so I'd like sit on the floor with my monitors and I'd
1: like
3: I'd be like working on the tune and like it would rattle my my ass sitting on the floor so I was like oh I gotta mix it like towards how rattled I get so it ended up being so like bass drum and bass loud and I look back now and that mix it's like oh it's like a big sausage like but uh no I'm, I'm proud of that one and, and it got me on the right path I think with the rest of it
0: what's the sample at the start of Stunty's Lament it sounds like uh, a clip from a movie or something I I, I don't know what it was
3: that's a a song by Carlos Savina it's um there's this website called Tracklib which I found out about and it's like a, a a licensing sample licensing website so you can go on there there's like a library of like tracks that you can sample that if you if you do the licensing properly through them you won't get in trouble for it so that was really helpful to have a kind of easy sample i I took a sample from them for uh, lord knows as well
0: okay what do you do with the website are you just like double clicking and buying tracks sort of thing yeah
3: basically you buy like you get like download credits and you can download the songs you can listen to them on the website and it's It's kind of arranged as if to like, you know, you're crate digging and you go through like Brazilian funk or like Latin jazz and all this. Um, And then if you end up using the song and you're going to release it, you like get onto them and say, you want to buy a license. It's really easy. It's Mm -hmm. very good.
0: Interesting. Do you think you'll do that kind of more going forward or anything or or see how it goes? I think so.
3: I think so. Uh, It depends on what I end up making next and what I kind of, find myself doing next i'd love to get more into um get back into like proper electronic side of things and like sound design and stuff like that i feel like i've neglected neglected my ableton <laughs> oh, that's why <wild. laughs> he need some love
0: um i think both on stunty's lament and on amen to father john misty is name checked um i don't know is he an influence, or, or what? What's your relationship with Father John Misty?
3: Um, I love him. I think he's great. Yeah, he would. I, do, I don't think he's much of an influence, music wise. Uh, lyrics wise, maybe. I think he's interesting lyricist the way he kind of puts things together. But yeah, that line is is um, pull up and pop off the bop off of Father John Misty and asking your girl if she missed me which was so so stupid and he that was my cousin wrapped it and he wrapped it so fast it was like that's so lame when like only buster Rhymes can get away with like doing that really fast rapping thing otherwise it's just like do you know that it's it just comes off as like white boy Eminem like school shooter type rap who just think like the faster you go the better you are but yeah it kind of it worked in the end I think on the album
0: um, the penultimate track is Beckham 97. I was listening to the song. I don't know, is there anything actual David Beckham focused on the track?
3: There's, it's the, the only David Beckham, I don't know why it's called that. The only David <laughs> Beckham sort of inference is uh, is uh, the, the image of, of someone getting kicked by a, a left foot. So that was the sort of, like man is so good at, at kicking people that he's like david beckham of, of beating people up left foot like a traction engine
0: uh and the final track is heaven's gate nikes tell me about that track
3: that one was um very much a lockdown kind of tune that was when i was uh, like i said living with the lads in, in donnybrook and uh we knew Bandcamp Day was coming up. And we all just wanted like, to try and get something done for Bandcamp Day and challenge ourselves. Because we're all like, we're all the same. We take so long making things. We're very um we just like overthink it kind of and just like, Oh, this, we, we could do this better, do that better? So we just set ourselves a challenge, like, well, let's finish something and put it out. So that one was really quick. Um, it's kind of uh it's a bit sad, like. I wasn't going to put it on the album until Drew, my cousin, was like, yeah, do put it on, put it as the last track. And I was like, "Okay." I think it works to, like, pick up the mood slightly after, especially after Beckham 97, which is very um, uber violent and, and lots of silly machismo.
0: Did you enjoy the process of kind of making a rap album like this? I mean, it sound, it sounds like certainly has taken up a lot of your time, but you but did it make you think differently about making music, you know, making something specifically kind of rap focused?
3: Yeah, I know I'm really lazy. I hope I don't come across as like I'm complaining about making it. Like I it was the like the best time. Uh yeah, I I loved making it. I love doing eight oh eights. I love mixing the eight oh eights, even though it's hard. It's very hard. Um, yeah, I love rattling my my computer room with the with the monitors. Um, yeah, definitely, I would definitely go back and and do another Stunman project sometime in the future. But I think I get I get too um, not like uh, fed up, but like I lo- I just I really want to try more genres i'm just curious to see how to to i want to put that much time and effort into like making i don't know a dance album or something just to see what that would be like and see how those tunes work and stuff uh
0: we'll talk about kind of challenging yourself with different genres i I talked to god alone uh last week they're playing uh cypress avenue on the 10th or 11th of november i can't quite remember uh you're (laughs) on support duties with Ten past yeah. seven, uh, as well. God alone are one of those bands who uh, also completely chop up genres. You know, they're ostensibly a metal band, but they do a load of uh, other stuff as well. They cite Talking Heads as an influence, for example. Um, are, you, are you mates with with
3: them? Yeah, they're the the boys. Like, yeah, I can't wait for that gig. Jesus. Um. Yeah, I listened to that interview actually. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, I love it. Did you know they're in a the, they're in a Happy Mondays cover band as well. He mentioned that. Yeah,
0: I was I felt that like we had reached the kind of the time limit, so I didn't get to chat with them. I actually uh, went and listened to Happy Mondays after I think it was Keen who said that um,
3: underrated band, honestly.
0: Yeah, the first the first album is good. It it just sounds so like like not new now you know when you're listening in 2022 to music that was made like 40 years ago and it's kind of like mm. i kind of have heard this all before you're kind of imagining yeah. it in a 1987 or 88 mindset and you're like oh i can understand how people like absolutely yeah. fucking love this
3: it's not though that it's like dated it just feels very it's perfectly of its rave period Manchester time and it belongs there, and that's that's fine as well. So, you know?
0: yeah, um, are, you, are you looking forward to supporting God Alone?
3: Yeah, yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, Jesus, they're so good. They're such a good band. I hope they do. Yes, I. I can't wait to see that.
0: What do you, What do you have planned for what? Do, what does uh, an actual Acid live show look like?
3: It's me and my cousin rapping, both wearing silly kind of costumes um i'm kind of i don't really like doing the i i, I feel better with a, a, a michael myers mask on doing a live show that i do with my my bare face out so it's two of us doing that um hopefully Colum, who's in house as well who's the head show. he also i we, he does live visuals with me uh hopefully he can make it down to do some uh, reactive uh, visuals on the day. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I need to shake off the cobwebs now and do some practice.
0: Cool. Well, listen. Congrats on Boredoms 400. um it's, It sounds great. Love like delving into it. I look forward to hearing Boredoms 300 whenever it comes out. But congrats on Boredoms 400 and cheers for taking the time to to chat about it. Thank you.
3: Cheers, uh Thanks for having me.
0: Evans Gate Nikes by Actual Acid, the closing track of debut album Boredom's 400. But isn't it an album? Isn't it an album? Did we did we decide that? I don't know. You can get the album, there we go, at actualacid.bandcamp.com. And go see Jack's recording God Alone at Cypress Avenue on November 10th. Finally, new music this week comes from Dublin indie art rock 5 piece Acrobat and their second single Eskimo of debut album jammed space movement which is out this friday november 4th which is Bandcamp friday just fyi they play bellow bar the following day here's shane from the band who's going to tell us about acrobat a-k-r-o-b-a-t and the gig and then we'll hear eskimo info acrobat uh
4: we're a six-piece band based in dublin uh you could broadly describe us as being avant-garde, I suppose, but we draw our influences from a lot of different types of music, uh, stuff from new wave punk to pop, electronica, indie, alternative uh, and jazz. Uh, a lot of the band members actually play jazz in different bands around town, so we we, we bring that kind of music sophistication, I suppose, to, 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 to the songs that we write, whereas I myself, you know, I like a lot of kind of uh, indie and alternative type music, you know, from all eras, from from now back back to the 60s and that, that type of thing. Uh, I love good words and lyrics, so I put a lot of attention and thought into that. And, you know, between a lot of us, we kind of shape the songs, and that's that's what we produce. Uh, we released our first song uh, from our debut album, Jam Space Movement, there a few weeks ago. Uh, it was called Basket's Widow. It's got a good response, uh, and that's kind of an arty, rocky type of a song. so a real kind of tumper, whereas the song we're releasing now uh, is called Eskimo, and that's a sweeter song, and that's that's influenced by... A lot of the synth music from the eighties, you know, bands like The Cure, you know, that that kind of thing, Depeche Mode. So that that was, there were strong influences in that song. And it's a it's a it's a Swedish song, and it's a kind of about you know uh, a tale of you know two people kind of trying to find each other and the excitement and the anxiousness that that goes with that and all the tribulations. So it's kind of a journey, I suppose, the song, uh, and that's what it is. It's one of the lighter songs on on the album. Uh, popular in nature than, than our last one and that kind of defines the band we we, we we move between genres and I think that's what we are, acrobats and that's, that's why we, we came up with that name and in terms of stuff that we have coming up, uh, we're releasing the album digitally on November 5th to be followed by a vinyl uh, version of the, the, the album for people who are, who are into it and like to buy it and we are going to do a gig what, I'm calling it a party uh, on November 5th in, in Bellow Bar uh, we've got support from Paula Cooney he's a great musician too uh, and we're really looking forward to it. We're going to play the songs from the album but also some other songs that we've been working on to kind of showcase our you know our talents in different areas and I think it'll be a, I think it'll be a rocking show. Bird. It calls the eight home, a sharp edge, a soft touch. Call from below in the pop there is a dancer. Come for Eskimo's. I wanna wanna party table Hold the rainy car Give it back and give it out
0: Eskimo by Acrobat. Go to acrobat-band.bandcamp.com. Can you tell I practice that once or twice before I press record to hear more from them and get the album on Bandcamp Friday? And that's the show for this week. If you want to get in contact, send me notes or music or anything. Email thepointofeverything at gmail.com. Get me on Twitter. Who knows how long Twitter will be around, by the way, all this talk about you know who and buying you know what and blue ticks and verification I'm still on there anyway. TPOE blog if you want to chat to me. If you enjoyed the episode and what we do here, please go rate and subscribe and tell a friend. And we'll be back with a couple more interviews and new music next week.